0: morning everyone if you want to open your bibles to first corinthians three will that'll be the first passage that we look at um, relating to our theme of course first corinthians chapter three uh, i appreciate you guys working with me to, to change this around I, I didn't really have this uh, this order in mind until i, I finished the lesson out um, and kind of thought okay this would be a good lesson to do before a lord's supper and The nature of the lesson is, of course, relating to our theme. If you read 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Um, We'll talk about kind of the details of that verse, but I wanted to talk about just Jesus Christ. Uh, Spend the entire sermon just looking at who Jesus is, the role of the Christ, and who he was before he got named Jesus, right? What, what was his role? Uh, where was he? What was he doing? And we're not going to reveal anything you guys don't already know. I just think it's useful if Jesus is supposed to be our foundation that we build on as individuals, as a church, as evangelists, or in any kind of spiritual work, to spend a good chunk of time just thinking about who he is and, and what that role is as, as Christ. Um so so that's what that's what we're going to do and John chapter 1 for me is the best passage if you're going to go to a single place to kind of go from start to finish of of Jesus it doesn't go all the way to his crucifixion and resurrection but um so if you want to flip over there that's that's where we'll we'll look at next John chapter 1 I don't think that was me <laughs> Um, so we're not going to read all the first 18 verses again that, that, was why, that was specifically why I asked him to read all 18 verses is we're going to, I, didn't, I didn't want to take things out of context um, but I am now that we've read them going to pick through a few verses to look at uh, the first three verses being uh, that first place John 1 beginning in verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Uh, so this is already kind of a lot to process. Uh, the word, right? It, it would have been something kind of spectacular to, just to kind of stop at verse, you know, one. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, that's already like massive. I mean, I I mean, not just like a a big deal, but it's hard to comprehend. Like, because God is one, so how can you be with God and be God, (laughs) right? So I'm just saying, intellectually, it's hard to take in. Theologically, it's hard to take in. It's a lot to take in. Um, but then, like, it gets upped in the next verse. Uh, Sorry, verse three. All things came into being. Through him and and just in case like that didn't sit with you it's repeated uh, the exact same information is given to you a second time right all things came into being through him okay reinforcing apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being right so you got the all and then there's nothing right I mean It's it's two ways of saying the same thing. The Word who was in the beginning, the Word who was with God, the Word who was God, right? The Word was the critical, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, facility, vehicle, method for creation of everything. So when you think back to Genesis 1, I mean, you can turn there if you want to, but I mean, you guys know what it says. On every day, God said let there be something. Um, God didn't have to do it that way. It could have said God thought, let there be light. And there was light. It could have been recorded, God desired light. And there was light. Right? Uh, I don't think there's an accident uh, in, in the way God recorded the message here for us. <laughs> The creation was always spoken, right? God said, let there be light, and so there was light. God said, right, let the land and the waters separate, right? And it happened. Well, now John, right, I don't know if this was, like, something the Spirit specifically revealed to him. We'll we'll never know that. But John kind of ties it all together and says, okay, this word, when God spoke, this word became flesh I mean that's that 's a big entity right um, and that 's in verse fourteen in, in chapter one if you turn if you look down in chapter one, John chapter one, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, again, I I don't know how to describe it because we can't, in in our restricted, limited existence, right, in these bodies, we can't really understand how you can be God, how you can be with God at all at the same time, right? So I'm going to say things that aren't technically correct because I, I can't grasp the spiritual realm. But the part of God or the manifestation of God or the person of God through which creation was made, Became flesh, took on flesh to, to partake in his own creation. Now th- this is, again, this is not um, this is not some created being who said, oh, you know, like who's lower than God, who said, oh, I want to I want to go experience your creation. And so God kind of let him do that. This is, this is the one through whom when, when the word was spoken, again, however you want to describe it, did the creating of all of these things and has chosen now to take on flesh. And we'll talk about the reason why. The reason, again, it, it just it kind of just escalates every time, every time you add a layer to who Jesus was and why he did what he did, it just sort of escalates into this mind-boggling love that uh, just pervades who he is, right? Again, brings to mind First John: God is love. There's, there's just no other really way to explain it. Maybe that's probably the best way, right? If you want to try to explain God, well, God is love. Right? Um, so he emptied himself, um, and I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not using that word of my own accord. Uh, That's in Philippians chapter 2 if you want to turn over there. So this this word, who is in glory, who is existing in perfection, who is existing in all power, so much power that everything we know is spoken into existence, emptied himself to become flesh. And that's important, right? I think that's that's a, well, let's read the verse first. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 7. We'll read those. And we'll talk about it a little bit. Paul is encouraging the Philippians to take on that, that same attitude, but we're, we're, so we're taking out of context a little bit. I'm not really considering what Paul's teaching the Philippians. I, I want to really just consider Jesus right now, the Word. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God... Did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. To me, there's a difference between taking on the form of man and emptying yourself to take on the form of man. And it comes with the attitude, right? Jesus, not emptying himself, have come in the form of man right we we see the angels do that when the angels come in the form of men people just hit the ground right because they're shining bright they got these white clothes on they're powerful they're terrifying and they're just angels right so jesus if he didn't empty himself came in the form of man right he could have come and just ruled and reigned and Mm -hmm. dominated everything dominated everyone been God on earth but in the role of God right? I'm not saying he could have done that in fulfilled prophecy I'm just saying right, that's an option for God right? To, to come to earth but Jesus did more than that he emptied himself meaning he didn't hold on to his rights as God as God he has a right to say you will do this You will not do this. Uh, You will not slap me. Right? I mean, there are all kinds of rights he he gave up. And maybe that's a really good way to talk about, you know, Jesus emptying himself because we're constantly thrown in our face, right, that we have rights and we need to grasp our rights and we need to make sure that no one erodes our rights, right? I mean, that's a cultural thing here. I don't, I don't know about the rest of the world. I mean, Jesus gave up every right he had as God. Um, he restrained himself even from asking, right? When, <laughs> when the disciples are ready to stand up and fight, right? There's like 12 of them. And they're ready to fight. Jesus is like, don't you know, like, if I said the word, like there would be legions of angels here. Like, there's twelve of you. I like, I don't need you to I don't need you to fight, right? He restrained himself from that. Like even asking for others. So well, okay, I'm not gonna go smite anyone. But angels, could you come to do some smiting? Right? I mean, he, he, every sing, every possible way he could have uh, filled himself out, right, with authority, he gave it up. And and again, I, because we've made this transition into the flesh, I, don't forget who he is as the Word. This is something he created that he's now surrounded by and he's submitting himself to. It, from a human perspective, it's absolutely absurd. It, 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 it should never be done, right? You have the authority, you use the authority. But that's not, that's not who our foundation is. And I know that's the first time I've used the word, but we're, 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 now that we're, we're, we've transitioned from this idea of he's the word and he's in heaven and he rules and reigns to now he's the flesh, now we can start talking about him as our foundation because he's starting to fulfill the role as the foundation and i'm I'm getting ahead of myself (laughs) getting ahead of myself already right but we see in philippians 2 he didn't just take on the form of a man he emptied himself to take on the form of a man and that's an important um, that's an important difference this is one of those things again like i said if i try to describe the spiritual part of it i'm going to mess it up right so when jesus took on this form he wasn't just uh like a more spiritual man right and i don't know if you guys have that problem that's how i that's i struggle with my picture of jesus like well jesus was just a more spiritual man than me he was the perfectly spiritual not just a he was the perfectly spiritual man well not really you know jesus's body had a beginning but his spirit didn't have a beginning i mean every man has a beginning my spirit had a beginning i didn't exist in the beginning with god i wasn't there right so yeah he experienced manhood he experienced being a human he emptied himself so that he would face temptation that he would overcome temptation, right? He did all of those things. He was fully a man. But he's all his spirit he, as a being, he's other. He's not like you and me. We were made in his image. <laughs> like he's he's the original and we're sort of we sort of have the shadows of of God on us, right? Made in his image, right? He is different. Even though his physical body was created and had a beginning, he had no beginning and he knew that. Look in John chapter 17. Jesus didn't forget, like, like, yeah, I read scripture and I I see that I existed, you know, and, and so it must be true. You know. No. Look look in John chapter 17, verses 4 and 5. This is, for me, this is one of my favorite passages because You have a a self-existent, eternal God in inhabiting flesh, submitting himself to pray to his father in heaven, and these are the things on his mind, right before he's he's gonna die, right before he's gonna be nailed to a cross. I mean, if you want to know the mind of God, read John chapter 17 over and over and over. Like he's under duress, he's in distress. And these are the things he prays for. But I'm only going to look at verses 4 and 5. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He knows who he is. Even in the flesh, having emptied himself of his own volition, his own choice, he knew, he says, the glory I had with you before the world was. He knows who he was. And to uh, to me, again, this is one of the most humbling things I can imagine. He's deity, and he's he's asking to be glorified, he's not seizing it. I, I take my glory because it's mine. He had every right to do that. He's a deity. In, in, but in prayer, instead, he asks the Father, now I ask you to glorify me. I will wait on you. I will let you glorify me in your time. Again, it's, it's mind-boggling to think of the Word who created everything choosing to do this and we haven't I still haven't even we know why but I haven't even addressed why why he's chosen to do all of this so I, I, I'm not bringing up these really like hard difficult kind of like okay he's the word anybody's he's in a body I'm not trying to bring these up so we can try to grasp them intellectually that's, that's not the goal here um, the, the point is to try to grasp the weight of it Right. Who this was who was in this body, on this earth, refusing to defend himself, never committing a sin, but willing to die because other people sinned. So so don't try to figure out how it works and how it happens. You're not going to do that. And it's, it's going to be fruitless effort, right? But what is fruitful effort is to think about the weight of it, right? Who he really was and who he knew he was and yet went through all of this anyway, right? Um, so though he took the form of the creation, he's not part of the creation. And yet he's going to die for the creation, Um, so I want to point this out too because now we're getting to the point where we're talking about Jesus dying right John 17 we've gone from the word has created all things let us make man in our image knowing what it's going to cost going through with it anyway to now coming in the form of a man emptying himself and now he's in the garden preparing to die look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 11 what Paul said is our foundation 1 Corinthians 3:11 just to refresh for no man can lay a foundation other than one which is laid which is Jesus Christ Paul doesn't say the word is our foundation now they're the same it's the same person I think what, I think the, the purpose of, of Paul saying that, the reason Paul says that, is that the word and his role as the word, well, kind of leaves us in our sin. Jesus stays in heaven, and he remains the word, and he never takes on flesh. What foundation are we going to build on? We're sinners. Right? We don't have a foundation to build on if the word remains the word and never takes this role as a man. So Paul says our foundation is actually Jesus Christ. So you know that might be splitting hairs but I think there's a massive difference there. Because Jesus was weak, right? Made himself weak. He made himself a sacrifice. He submitted himself to God in every respect. And Paul says, that's our foundation. Now, when you contrast that with the Word, the Word is all-powerful. The Word is, exists in glory. The Word creates things at will. Well, that's not our foundation, right? Because we abandoned that image when we sinned. So this is now our foundation, someone who sacrifices himself, who empties himself. So it's the Word as Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ the Messiah, that laid a foundation for us to begin a new life. It's not his role as the Word and power, right? The reason I think that's different is because a building... reacts, I I think that's the best way to say it, a building reacts to its foundation. If the foundation cracks, the building cracks. If the foundation is stable through, you know, whatever, floods or earthquakes or whatever, I mean, storm, right, that's the scriptural picture, storm hits it, floodwaters hit it. If the foundation is stable, the building is stable. So how do we react to our foundation? If our foundation was stable, only power and glory, right? We'd be left out in the cold because we don't have those things. Jesus can adopt those things and seize those things. But if our foundation is sacrifice and forgiveness and humility, well, now, okay. We have something that identifies with us, something that we can take on it's it's really amazing right because in our position we want glory we have no power to go grasp it but we have the power to be humble it's totally within our capability and our foundation demands that of us right so if we build on that foundation those characteristics start to show up in the building sacrifice becomes part of the building Humility just becomes part of the building because you're, you're on that kind of foundation. It's impossible to build on the foundation of Jesus and be proud. I mean, like, like have a pride issue, arrogance. It can't happen. And here's why I say that. Because if you have arrogance, what happened was you built somewhere else. I mean, I don't have to judge your heart, and, and I'm not, I, don't, I, I don't have to do any of that stuff. I'm just talking about principles from what we're talking about in 1 Corinthians 3, right? If I look in the mirror, and I've got a problem with arrogance, well, then the problem is I've been building on a different foundation. Actually, if I point you back to 1 Corinthians 3, 11, Paul says there is no other foundation. So I keep saying that, and I keep thinking that. It's not... I I can't build on another foundation. I either build on the foundation or I build on the ground, on the sand. There isn't another foundation like, oh, I'll be arrogant, but I'll be stable on this foundation. (laughs) No. If I'm arrogant, I'm built on this sand. And as soon as it shifts, I topple. I go down, right? My knee gives out. So I think it is, I think it does matter that Paul said our foundation is Jesus Christ. We need to think about his role as Christ and what he did. Look in in John chapter 17, verse 19. So, as his creation, I abandoned the life for which I had been created. I decided to sin. And I chose death over life. And he was totally within his rights to leave me there. It was my decision. Um, but he wanted to create a way, a foundation for a sinner to build on to regain life. He did that by manifesting himself as a man who perfectly embodied and expressed God's character for the sole purpose of being a sacrifice. John 17, verse 19, he says, For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus says, I'm keeping myself separate. I'm keeping myself holy. Right now, I'm doing it right now. I'm, I'm making an effort to be different from the world so that they can be different from the world. That's why I'm doing it. He, he, he didn't come here to die, to become a foundation just so that we can be right and everybody else be wrong. That's not it. He, he, there's no other reason. The reason he came and died to become a foundation, he says right here in his prayer to God, was so that because he kept himself pure and holy, we will have the same opportunity to be sanctified in truth. This, again, don't forget who this is. This is the Word who created us and we were holy and shows something else. Now let's look at Philippians chapter 2 again. We'll look at the, full, the, the rest of that passage we read earlier. We have to realize that Jesus being holy wasn't sufficient to sanctify us. Like, Jesus had to die, he had to die in his holiness. Um, it would have been nice for Jesus to be able to come to earth, take on the form of a man, live a perfect, sinless life, and say, okay, now I've done it, right? So that's some kind of credit that I'm going to use for you guys. Like, well, no. All, all He's done is keep Himself holy and maintain a relationship between Himself and the Father. That's all, that's all He's done if He stays alive. Because our sin demands blood. It's not his sin. Our sin demands life and blood. So yeah, he can come here and he can live this holy life and and sanctify himself, as he said in John chapter 17. But we still don't have a foundation to build on until he dies. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in in verse 5 again. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Paul doesn't say this, but when I walk away from this passage, it seems to me that having accomplished what he accomplished, as Jesus Christ, he's now surpassed his role as the Word. I I wouldn't be dogmatic about it. I wouldn't argue that. But as the word he created right, all of this creation, and then as Jesus Christ he recreated us. And now it doesn't say, right, in verses 10 and 11, so that at the name of the word every knee will bow. That's who he is. He's still the word. But it's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow. Because of what he accomplished in the flesh, every knee will bow. Right? Verse 11, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not that the word is Lord. What the word accomplished in the flesh is our foundation. And that was his sacrifice. He humbled himself, according to this passage, he obeyed? Again, I mean, if you try to process that, it doesn't make sense. How, how, does it, how does God obey? Well, he has to empty himself to do that. And then he died. Now, in this passage, we, we infer that he arose. You see, it, it, notice that it says, God. Highly exalted him in verse 9. It doesn't say God highly exalted his memory. Right? He highly exalted him. Notice that every knee will bow and confess, not that he was Lord, that he is Lord. This, having gone from the word to to this point right here, Jesus Christ Christ, risen from the grave this is our foundation what does that mean right I mean Paul says it okay you can't build on a foundation other than Jesus you can't lay a foundation other than Jesus Christ there is no foundation other than Jesus Christ Well, what does that mean when I wake up on Monday morning okay Monday morning Jesus is my foundation great let's go to work right well, I mean, I, I broached the subject a little bit earlier. You have to look like your foundation. I mean, there's all kinds of images, and I'm going to mix these metaphors. Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. We grow off the vine so we get nourishment from Him. And then there's Jesus is a living stone, and we're coming to him as living stones. Jesus is the foundation on which the building is being built. Jesus is the cornerstone, not the foundation, the cornerstone from which everything is measured, right? I mean, kind of throw all of that together, and really, what it says is, OK, The church is being built on Jesus, but I'm part of that structure. And as an individual stone, I'm being built up stronger to make make an impact inside that structure for Him. But it's my decision. And really, that's plural. It's my decisions that determine if I'm building on the foundation. For example... Why did you come to church today, right? You'd think it's an easy question to answer. Well, when I was younger, it wasn't even a question I ever thought about. I just didn't want to get harassed by the people who knew I was supposed to be there. I'm being straight up, honest with you. I knew I would get harassed. People would shame me into going back to church. So I went to church. that's not the foundation that's not built on the foundation right so you got to start asking that question of the rest of your life why are you getting up on Monday morning right two people can have the exact same outcomes with two different motivations right well i go to work and i go to work okay a goes to work b goes to work well why Because I want a Maserati, A says. And B says, because I know people who don't have food. And I'm working to feed them. Did you notice? Neither one of those is a foundation of Jesus. I kind of caught you off guard on purpose there. C says, Because Jesus told me to have compassion on people. You see that? Yeah, yeah. We can go to work and we can make money and we can feed hungry people. And it satisfies something within ourselves. It feels good. Maybe I was a hungry person and I have compassion, right? It has nothing to do with Jesus at all. Well, what's the foundation? Uh, um, Ben, in one of his lessons this past week, he he said this phrase that's gonna stick with me now for the rest of my life. He he said, sainthood, being a saint, right? Being saved is, is not some sticker you get for good behavior. Well, I'm a good person. That means I'm going to heaven. Nope. It doesn't. Building on the foundation, granted, will make you a good person. That you, can, there's not another outcome if you build on the foundation, right? But if I'm building over here on dirt and sand, and I'm sacrificing my my time, sacrificing my money for social good, le- le- I, I, I mean legit good things. But the reason I'm doing it is because I want to leave a legacy behind. Or it just pains me to see people in need and so I have compassion. But but don't bring up don't talk to me about Jesus, right? I don't want to hear about that stuff. Don't don't open your bible. Just talk to me about being a human and being compassionate, right? That foundation is not going to result In salvation. So think about who he was (laughs) as the word and what he did. Not even in the death, what he did in taking on the form of his creation. It's embarrassing. I mean, for us, I'm I'm speaking in human terms, it would be embarrassing to lower ourselves that much. We don't even have the opportunity to because we're not that high. We need to think about that kind of thing, what he did in taking on flesh, what he did in dying in obedience when we think about what our foundation is. So, you need to identify this for yourself you can ask for help people can help you and talk it out but no one knows your foundation except you and you know it or you can people can be self-deceived but you can know it so we're about to partake of the lord's supper the reason we changed this around was because we were spending so much time thinking about jesus well the Lord's Supper is specifically to remember his death. It's not about the word, and it's not about all of the other things. It's about his death on the cross. So let's, let's think about that. Um, and Blake is, or we're going to have a song first, and then Blake is going to serve us the Lord's Supper.